Hi, I'm Kevin Smith, and Red State comes out this October 19th, 17th anniversary of Clerks. But if you want to see it before then, I'm coming around your town, man. I'm on the road with the Red State USA Tour. Come see me do a Q&A. Come see the movie as well. Actually, see the movie. Have you seen me do the Q&A? But this will be a different Q&A because it's following a screening of Red State movie. We just debuted up at Sundance and whatnot. Had a great time. And we're bringing it to you a little sooner than October rather than waiting till then. If you want to see it ahead of time, come out and see it. Tour kicks off March 5th, Radio City Music Hall. March 6th, Boston. March 8th, Chicago. March 9th, Minneapolis. March 10th, Michigan, Ann Arbor. March 11th, Indianapolis. March 12th, the Midland Theater in Kansas, March 14th, Springfield, March 15th, Washington, March 22nd, Denver, March 24th, Madison, Wisconsin, March 26th, New Orleans, um, March 28th, Austin, Texas, March 29th, Atlanta, Georgia, April 4th, Seattle, April 9th, the tour ends, the Wiltern Theater, Los Angeles, California. So you could see us at any one of those stops along the way. Come see Red State and have fun at the Q&A afterwards. I mean, the one in New York and L.A. will definitely be having cast and whatnot up on stage. The ones cross country probably just be me, but I'll be as funny as I can. You can ask me anything, even about the time they threw me off the plane for being a big fat shit. So come on out. If you want to help us out, see Red State. For all the information, go to coopersdell.com, C-O-O. P-E-R-S-D-E-L-L dot com. You can see all the tour dates. Click on one of those. Buy some tickets. Come out and see us. And if you can't afford to buy tickets right now, I know the global economy is pretty harsh. If uh, if you can't afford it, don't worry, man. We're going to be out in October. You can kind of see us then. And if you don't want to pay to see it then, you know, BitTorrent. It'll be on BitTorrent pretty damn soon. So uh, in any event, come help us out on the road. Red State USA Tour. Come see me and Red State. Um, Coopersdell.com for all information. God doesn't love you. Let's fear him. Hey, DJ D-Rock. Hey. A.K.A. Derek Armijo. What's my name? From Bagged and Boarded. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good, man. Hey, we all know you love music because you're the resident DJ at the Smod Castle. I love it. You love it. It's your life, right? Mm-hmm. What else do you love, dude? Tell us more about you. I love comic books. You love comic books? Mm-hmm. Get the fuck out of here. I didn't know that about you. Oh, I should look at my attire. Oh, you're wearing Batman shoes. Yep. Those are awesome. You know where I got them? No. Golden Apple. Did you really? I really did. They sell superhero shoes. Do they really? I wore them to my grandmother's funeral, and you think you may think that I'm joking, but that is a true statement. Folks, if you need clothes for your grandmother's funeral, go to Golden Apple. If you need cool comic books, go to Golden Apple. DJ D-Rock, Derek Armijo goes to Golden Apple all the time. What kind of stuff do you get there, sir? Comic books, T-shirts. You get, get statues. Statues, like some cool little mini boss and stuff like that. Some some action figures. Oh, yeah. I've in case any other family that. members die. Mm-hmm. That's well, she, thing. what does she care? She's dead. She, you know, she, she wouldn't be offended. And she was a Batman fan during life, too. She did. She loved Batman. That's what we're saying, folks. You Look, you need a comic book because you're bored. Buy a comic from Golden Apple Comics. You need a comic book because you're getting engaged. Buy a go- comic book from Golden Apple Comics. Your grandma just died. Head over to Golden Apple Comics. I mean, it, it, it's the solution for all of life's little problems. And hey, let's say you're not in the L.A. area, Derek. Oh, let's say you're not fortunate like, like you. Ugh, I don't even want to think about it. Let's think you lived in Illinois. Uh, that would suck. Ugh. Oh, good. Where would you get comic books, man? 
I can go online. Easy solution. You're right. GoldenAppleComics.com. Look how knowledgeable you are. Folks, if you are not in the L.A. area, you can just head to Golden Apple Comics, the web destination for all things Golden Apple, and they'll hook your ass up. They'll send it right to your door with a pretty bow on the package as well. Don't hold me to that. In fact, yes, hold me to that. Golden Apple puts a bow on every package. What FedEx and or UPS or your local mail carrier does with that bow, I don't know, but I'm just saying, when it comes out from L.A., it's all fancy. I got the bow. Because you're a local guy, right? And, yeah. And because you're, you're a good customer. The they know you. They see DJ D-Rock's ordering some stuff. Oh, wait, what's this? DJ D-Rock's ordering the complete authority of Calvin and Hobbes. We got to put a bow on this. They're not going to mess with that package when of they're dealing with not. celebrities. Of course not. When they deal with a celebrity of a DJ D-Rock, Derek Armijo caliber, they, they don't mess around. But you know what's great about Golden Apple comics, folks? Let's say you're not a DJ D-Rock. You're not... You're not a world-class A-list. Sounds like it would suck as well. Celebrity. No, 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 it's not going to suck. You know why? Golden Apple Comics treats everyone as if they were Derek Armijo. Wow. And that's a testament, okay, folks? Sounds like a good life, folks. White Glove Service, goldenapplecomics.com. Check it out. What? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Matt Cohen and Brendan Creasy, bagged and boarded. Oh, hi, how's it going? I'm Matt Cohen. I'm Brendan Creasy. How are you guys doing tonight out in the audience of 45,000 strong? Yeah. But again, it's, it, it, it is bagged and boarded policy to fucking put a gag on an order on 98% of you because... Thank you, people, It's like for the complying. office. It's subtle. We don't want a laugh track. It's no, like, fuck that. This podcast is a one-camera sitcom, if you want to think of it like that. So you only hear a few voices, but just imagine that there's multitudes and pun- they're laughing, they're fucking tugging it, like... People are writing songs. A year from now, they're going to be bagged and boarded babies. That's all I'm saying from tonight's show. Yes. And it's an exciting show, and we're going we're gonna to skip the usual banter and get right into it, folks. No banter. No, we'll get a little banter. You fucking banter enough with me, motherfucker. Oh. Tell me about 90210. Okay, let's say, hold it, hold it. We'll do it later. I'll save See, it for That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Without further ado, folks, we've got a very special guest with us uh, tonight. You know his work from such things as, oh, I don't know, hard and firm, singled out, Web Soup, uh, the insanely popular and insanely funny podcast Nerdist. Um, he's our better in every single way, and he's slumming it here tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for Mr. Chris Hardwick. Thank, right. thank you, sir. Hey, how, how are you? Got your box of water? You're all set? I got my box of water. Thank you very much. How, how are you doing, man? I'm good. It's so funny to hear the words nerdist and singled out in the same sentence because <laughs> even I'm like, that's the same guy. Is it like, not a natural progression? I guess, I guess it is. I like mean, one I, of those questions just like, they were like, skiing, let it snow, or go, go, go. And you were like, oh my God, I need to be a podcaster. <laughs> I think if you, and I don't think you can really watch that show that much anywhere, but if you went back. Sure you can. Hallucinogenics. I guess you could watch it through hallucinogenic drugs or time travel, but uh, but without <laughs> one of those things, if you went back and watched 
you would see a guy who was making a lot of weird nerdy references that no one else on the show was getting. <laughs> so, sir, uh, you, you, we know your work from the Nerdist, and I don't want to get into a whole interview thing. And we'll talk about you in a little bit. But, but first off, you just did a show here at the Smodcastle. Yes, with Will Wheaton. With Will Wheaton, that was insanely awesome. It was great. So uh, much fun, Brendo. That was like a dream for you, right? Because you're a huge Will Wheaton fan. I am a fan of Will Wheaton. It, like you guys go way back. Well, we actually worked on a website together. That's what I'm saying. Used to be, you were his main until, in, the, yeah, in a way. Well, yeah. well, we worked on it together until AOL shit canned Will. It was on, um, I forgot, I already forgot what the site was, but it was like one of those dig clones. Mm-hmm. And Will was like, it used to be Netscape and then they changed it into something. Ah, uh, Netscape. <laughs> yeah. And so for a while, Netscape had like a dig like site, like a Reddit. Mm-hmm. And then they changed the name and I already forgot because I was so bitter about it. Well, we'll it. just look it up on web crawler. Yes. On, on, we'll on a hot bot. Archaeology, uh, bot <laughs> online or whatever. Yes. <laughs> no, but so you did an amazing show tonight oh, here yeah. with the, with the Nerdist, sir. And I noticed from up in the booth, um, well, I mean, A, the show is called The Nerdist, so that should tell you something right there. And you guys used the word nerd over and over again in describing yourselves. Yes, sir. Um, I am a self-affirmed geek. Yes. Uh, and, and me and Brendan have had this argument a million times about the, the distinction between a geek and a nerd. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of maybe a better person to talk. Do, do you see a definite, like to you, what is it? Why do you identify with nerd and not geek? We're both, I, let's just put it this way, but we're both pretty similar birds. One thing in common, boatloads, oh pussy. Right, right. Everyone knows that. I, I have a tugboat parked outside. Exactly. We all, we all saw it. And his own captain, who he makes wears like a, it's a false beard because he can't really grow one. Well, it's made of pussy. He has alpecia. <laughs> so it's a pussy beard. Exactly. Yeah, it's that's, a pussy beard. Captain Pussy Beard is exactly. his name. Exactly. Old dependable Captain Pussy Beard. Um, but but I, it is a, it is like basically for all intents and purposes kind of semantics. But but I think there's a difference. What, what's your thoughts on the matter? I don't know if this is a satisfying answer, but I've noticed. Give it anyway. I've I've noticed that one of the the thing that they have in common is that nerds look at geeks as the weaker class and geeks look at nerds as the weaker class. But for me, it was it was it was regional uh, where I grew up. Uh, when when I grew up, when it was not, there wasn't anything cool. You're or from ironic. Kentucky, right? I was born in Kentucky, and I grew up in Memphis, Where Tennessee. Where all good geek slash nerds exactly. come from. So there was no, uh, it, it was in the '80s. It was not ironically f- funny to be nerdy. You were nerdy, and and no one liked you because of it, like except <laughs> yeah. for other nerds, uh, or and even subclasses of nerds you had rivals rivalries with. But for me. Nerd was just the regional word that we used, uh, and we didn't, we didn't really use the word geek, and it was just the time, and that, that's what we were called. And, and I identify a nerd as someone who has an unnatural ability to obsess over the minutia of their passions. And I don't know if, I mean, maybe some people define geeks that way. See, and, and that's, and it's funny because I would almost define geek in the exact same way. So maybe we are the same. I think I, it's just, just I've a I've heard a classical, like if you go to Wikipedia, the, like the standard <laughs> definition, which of course Wikipedia is for all things, because there's a Wikipedia god and he yep. knows all things. Yep. Um, it, it said a, a, a nerd is a, a geek with, with poor social skills. Mm. That seems to be a prevalent, a prevalent, um, theory on that, but I don't know that that's necessarily true. No, and you know, you can nerd out over stuff, but I hear people geek out over stuff too. I think it's Oh, they just, do from time to time. I mean, <laughs> if, if, some people would disagree that nerds and geeks are interchangeable, but I think we can all agree that neither one of us are fucking dweebs. 
Oh, no, of yeah, course. That's not. the important fuck thing. That. Fuck yeah. dweebs. Oh, dude. Fuck dweebs. If, we were, if I was a dweeb, I'd fucking kill myself. You want to be a fucking dweeb? No. Fuck you in the face, dweebs. Exactly. <laughs> Brenda, what about you, sir? Because you, you were. Well, I. You got the. You love D&D. Like, you've got the things that, in my mind, lean you to over on both ends of the spectrum. You well, know? Mike's school of thought comes from, like, listening to Will Wheaton talk about it extensively, and he subscribes to the, like, I'm a geek, mm-hmm. not a nerd. But nerd, not a geek. You mean? No, Will no he's a geek. a geek. Oh, Will's a geek. Yeah, he's a, okay. Will, he's a self-professed his, geek. His autobiography is called "Just a Geek." All right. So I'm I use that line wrong. a lot, but I also agree that, like, I also am of the school of thought that, like, we're all kind of on the same side, and mm-hmm. the idea of like none of us are going out on a Friday night. Well, like, like <laughs> well, like, plus, like, I think they are interchangeable in some means, and then also, like. Why are we fighting amongst ourselves? <laughs> like, when we should be fighting well, amongst everyone. Well, we should, we should be, be fighting uh, anybody. Getting but, our arms together but the for the whole, war. Yeah, this that whole culture, like, now we are in power, and now we will fight, and I don't know. It's kind of ridiculous. Because, like, the geek chic wave, you're saying, almost, of how it's kind of cool. Well, that's, cool. like, now geeks are getting snobby about it, and now it's like, oh, you're a poser geek. You're not a geek. You're not a real geek. Like... Now we become what we hate. We're fighting about being... Judgy. Yes. Yeah, we're not supposed to judge because no. we were always judged. Because we were judged. But now we are the ones who are the judges. <laughs> we fucking Anakin that shit, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, we did. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, so you grew up in Kentucky. Uh, was it in... Uh, early as a kid, because Will had even pointed to it, you're a cool guy, sir. Well, I don't know if that's true, but I... I, I, I you know, I, you, you're a cool guy. Let's just put it that way. Were you? Was it always the geek nerd lifestyle? Were you into comic books? Were you into cartoons early growing up? Like, were you playing sports or were you inside no, watching was, Doctor Who? I was bowling because my dad owned a bowling center, but and I, but but I was playing video games. I feel like that falls into both realms, though, because <laughs> it's not really a sport. It's kind of geek, you know? Yeah. Okay. It's, Your yeah, dad it was, not was a, like a championship yeah, my dad was a, My dad was like a Hall of Fame professional bowler. I watched your dad on TV. It's kind of funny. It's weird. It's weird. Were you into bowling? Well, on on weekdays on ESPN, I was homesick a lot as a child. <laughs> I had asthma, you know, so I was a nerd. Like that's what I told them at school. I, I the, just really loved I bowling. I had the nerd disease. I, I had I had all the allergies. I couldn't yeah. drink dairy. You know, and, I couldn't. And eat so bananas. on ESPN, they would always show bowling, and his dad was like one of the top bowlers in the mm. country. So you spent a lot of your childhood in a bowling alley. Yes, but. Um, at the same time, I happened to be the right age that that's when they started putting video games in, yes, in bowling alleys. Yeah. And so, you know, like it's, you know, it started with simple, like Pong and then Asteroids and then, you know, what uh, are these games? Space Invaders, no, Pac Man, Donkey yeah, Kong, yeah, of course. you know. And so, uh, because I was so into video games, I was into video games and computers. I was never into comic books because I had a best friend. My best friend in school was a kid named Mike Soper. And Mike, Mike was a nerdy, tough kid, which I'd never seen before. Does that exist? Yeah. He was it. No, they do. I knew our D and D guy in our neighborhood was a neighbor was a nerdy, tough. He's kid. like, I rolled a fucking twenty, asshole. Was, like this kid, yeah. this kid, where, whereas I was very small and weak and would cower from conflict. Um, if like when it, when someone would step up in this kid's face, he would just hit him <laughs> and without even asking a question. He would just hit him in the face, and they'd go down. And, and they'd... then make a nerd joke plus five mana. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Our our guy. That's why I didn't play D and D for you. You were intimidated by your that DM. Guy, he was a fucking dick. <laughs> well, this kid fortunately was on my side, but but he scared me. He scared me away from comic books because. Uh, you know, I, I had started, I had started buying, I'd started buying comic books and, and I was, I was really into them. And then I went over to his house and he had, uh, 
in his uh, like the attic was converted to like a playroom boxes and boxes and boxes and every week he would go buy two copies of everything and one that he would keep in the mylar and never open and the other that he would carefully take out of the mylar and read and still put back in course, so it was still all, in good shape as all normal people do and so <laughs> and they were it was so it, it, his catalog was so well organized you were like this is the marvel universe this is the dc universe these are these types of characters these are these types of and and as a kid i was like i am i'm not going to do this uh and for me it was more about tech i mean i got my first computer in 1981 or two uh was it was was a trs-80 and uh yeah got some fans it turned on that was about it like it turned on and i'd be like there's a flash of the tapes uh, yeah, it had a, well, yeah. it was, a, it was a separate, it did, it was not part of the, it was not part of the module itself. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. a separate. My grand, I, that's what I, that was my first experience too. My grandpa had one. But it was one, you know, it's kind of funny is that it, it was, it was one of those terminals. Pretty sure it was the terminal that had the, the CRT and the, and the keyboard all was one unit. Yeah. Like it was one, was one module. One, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, and so, you know, I was in the computers. So you were and, a tech, you were a tech guy. I was a tech up. guy. And then I was, I was, uh, I, I was in chess club and played competitive chess for many years and, uh, and played D and D and, you know, was studied Latin and so, so you, uh, high school comes around. It's still the same thing. Like you're in, when did comedy become? Because it seems like you could have went on any path. You could have you could have easily wanted to be a computer programmer or something like that, or into video games. I, what I wanted to do really a bowling was go. Enthusiast. I wanted to. <laughs> I want. I quit bowling when I was thirteen because my my mom remarried. We moved away, and I wasn't around it anymore. And I kind of rebelled against it because it's what I did from the time I could walk up to thirteen. And I'm uh, sure that was easy to rebel against. So you it was just, easy you don't to, have to go just to bowling. Not bowling. You do is yeah. just not do it. Yeah. But it's uh, like I rebelled against unicorns. I'm still no more. I'm holding strong. You know. <laughs> I, w- I wanted to be an illustrator. I wanted to be. I was. Um, I was uh, insane about cartoons, about, an- about animated uh, cartoons, and so you know, I I tried so hard to. I I kept submitting stuff to Spumco to try to get on Ren and Snippy. So you were huge Ren and Snippy. Like, what were some of your favorite cartoons that that inspired your art, as it were? I mean, um, well, I mean, uh, Bob Clampett, early Chuck, you know, Chuck Jones. When Chuck Jones was in his prime, it was the most some of the most gorgeous animated Absolutely. artwork ever. I mean, Bob Clampett's style was really cool, but it was it. You know, the thing Chuck Jones just had this way of drawing where. It, where he had this way of animating where you could see the, you could see the bones underneath the character's skin. Like there was a dimension to no, his, they were, they to were his real, art. Absolutely. And it was, it was just so, it was so well animated. He was so well done. Uh, so. And you touched on it in, the, in your other podcast. You're a big Disney, you're a Disney nerd, right? I'm not so much, I'm not so much a Disney nerd. I mean, I, I liked, well, I liked Disney. I, I think Jungle Book's my favorite Disney movie and it's probably just because because of that 60s art style. Toad, I go with Robin Hood with the Fox, which is yeah, almost, yeah. which is the same, I think the next yes, film the after the chronologically. Stone. Absolutely, that uh, same period. That same that same period, it was there was sort of like a minimalist where you would see like abstract backgrounds no, totally. and so I was in that. yeah, so I was into cartoons and animation and then and Ren and Simpy, I I one Sunday I happened to stumble across it at 11 in the morning on Nickelodeon just flipping channels. Uh and it it, it hadn't been it hadn't become a phenomenon yet. And so I, I, I watched. Yeah, because it was on at 11 in the morning. Wasn't it on SNCC for the majority of its run? It was on, they, was pa- it they had it paired with Rugrats. And so it was, That's awesome. it was Ren and Stimpy and Rugrats. Yep. And, uh, what? On a Sunday. On a Sunday, Sunday yeah. yeah. And so it was Sunday morning and I just, I saw two minutes of it and it, the episode was Space Madness and I realized pretty quickly like, 
oh my god, this is different. This is unique. This is a this is a comedic voice that I didn't realize I had been missing in my life. I I jammed a tape in the VCR and and taped, you know, the last eighty percent of Space Madness and uh and I think the the episode that they ran after that was the one where they um they uh where Stimpy dresses up where Ren dresses up like a mouse <laughs> yeah. and they try to you know like they try to build that guy yeah, out of his money yeah. and. And so, and then I, I literally showed it to everyone I knew, all of my friends. That one tape or whatever? Yeah, that one tape. And we all would have Ren and Stimpy watching parties. <laughs> and, cause there weren't a lot, a lot of episodes in the first run. I had a very similar experience when South Park first premiered. I didn't get Comedy Central at my house for some reason, but a friend of mine had taped, uh, the Christmas episode, which was the first episode to air, I believe, right? That was, yeah, it was based on a tape that they on made Spirit, as a Christmas card, Spirit The Spirit of Christmas. So the pilot yeah. for the series was the Christmas episode with Mr. Hankey, and a buddy of mine taped it on VHS, and I got that tape, and I didn't have access to the rest of the series, so I watched that episode 300 fucking times in like yeah. the course of four months, and like the two years of South Park had gone on, and I'd only seen one episode, <laughs> but I could tell you every fucking line of that episode, believe me. Um, but th- those early things that you don't even realize are going to become so fundamental in your... Well, yeah. And so I lived out here in LA and, and, and I quickly tracked down Spumco, which used to be on Melrose right next to Paramount. And, uh, and I, I just, I just went there and started <laughs> hanging out with people and became friends with an artist named Vincent Waller, who is a phenomenal artist that now works at Nickelodeon. Uh, I did a show at Nickelodeon for a while and, what show is that? Uh, back at the barnyard. Oh, I know that. Right on, man. Yeah, yeah. I played the talking cow, Otis. Uh, and so... So did Brando, though, so you're in good... <laughs> but he did, right? Am I thinking of someone else? Okay, never mind. No, it might have been someone else. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, and, and so, you know, I just started hanging out with people there, and, and I became buddies with them, and uh, and I started submitting, and, you know... And this just, is when Ren and Stimpy's at its peak, kind of, in it was just about to, It was just about to peak, and then it peaked, and then... Uh, and so then were, John Kay lost the show, and then his protege Bob Camp took over the show, and there was a weird falling out. And but you were there at the, uh, the right time. I was there. For, I was there be, at the right time. For an aspiring animator, that it must have been an incredible. Kind it of, was, and the problem was that I was just—I thought I was good. I really thought I was a good illustrator, but then to go see what good illustrators really were, and I was like, ah, oh, fuck, I'm not. <laughs> oh, God damn it. There goes that life plan. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I was trying to get a job at Ren and Simpy, and if I had gotten it, my life would have totally turned out. I mean, it was a very, it was one of those very pivotal moments of like, you get this job, you know, uh, I was doing, going to do timing sheets, and then try to, you know, try to do some cleanup work and, and then work your way up in the animation. And then work your way up and then, you know, maybe direct someday. And then, uh, that, but then that didn't happen. And so, you know, the, the comedy stand up was the other thing that I was passionate about. And so then, you know, then it became about comedy. No, had you, you'd been doing it all, you'd been doing stand up already? Yeah, uh, a little bit. I mean, I was, the two things, Two things I was super obsessed with as a kid was stand-up and animation. Like, you used, uh, who were some of your favorite stand-ups growing up? Well, the Steve Martin records I listened to endlessly. Uh, and any, and in the 80s during the comedy boom, it was very easy to... There was Emo Phillips or... I was Jerry, a huge Emo Phillips fan. Still am. hit his stand-up. Uh, still <laughs> am. I mean, I liked it all. Um, my shoes got tied together somehow. I can't separate Brando. my <laughs> Did you do this? I'm sorry. I know you're a Damn fan, it. but come on, man. Come on. So, uh, yeah, I mean, a- a- any stand-up special. I mean, I loved every, I loved every kind of comedy. I loved Seinfeld, but I also loved Kinnison, and I also loved, um, 
I also love, I mean, obviously Carlin and, and Richard Pryor. My dad had a Richard Pryor tape and I watched that over and over again. And I loved Eddie Murphy and, you know, um, and then, and then guys like Dennis Wolfberg and, uh, and, and, you know, I didn't, I didn't really discover Bill Hicks until late into the nineties, uh, like, kind I of think like most, right after like, he'd already like died. Everyone else did. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, someone gave me rant in E minor in like 98 or something or 99 and, you know, and then no, totally. Yeah, yeah so, of course. Uh, uh, but in the eighties, yeah, it was because every channel had a stand-up special, and I taped every one. And, and all the older, had, all the older stand-ups were presenting young stand. It's like the eighties were stand-up obsessed. It seems. Like. Yeah, I mean, because every channel had a fucking stand-up show. There was like Caroline's Evening at the Improv, Cinemax had Comedy Experiment, HBO had One Night Stand. Uh, uh, they, 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 it was everywhere. And going to comedy was a big thing. And then, of course. The 90s, like, it just saturated the market and that all went away. Kind of quickly, yeah, almost, right? But, but, so you don't, so after animation, um, you, you were like, all right, comedy is, is the path kind of, you said it was that pivotal moment of like a fork into, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, just kind of realizing, you know, I guess what I, I guess what I really could have done was, if I really cared about becoming an illustrator, I would have just tried to make myself get better. But (laughs) what I gravitated toward was the stand up. Right on. So you cut your teeth in L.A., right? Because I mean, you. Yeah, it's the worst place. Goes, it's the worst place to cut. I, it's, cut I would your teeth imagine, right? Because it's got to be such. A, it's it's not only an aggressive crowd, but it's an informed crowd. It's like a. Well, it's it's just that there are two 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 reasons. Number one, there are jokes that work in L.A. that just don't work anywhere else. It's like, and jokes that tend to work in L.A. A lot of them are about the entertainment business. <laughs> you can't do those anywhere. Like else. referencing a restaurant or something. Yeah, you can't yeah. do those anywhere else. And the other problem is. Is as if you're developing in front of the industry, and they see you perform, but you're not ready to be seen yet. Then gonna, that can mar that can mar you for a while, or they'll cancel you out entirely. You know what I mean? Yeah. People, so yeah. you know, it's much better. I think it's much better to start locally wherever you are in the country, and then maybe go to a city that has a good stand-up scene like Austin or San Francisco. Then go to New York. And then, then you then, then you can come out LA. to L.A. Start in Alaska. Yeah. Like, no, because, I mean, there just there are not a lot of stand-up shows in Los Angeles. I mean, you know, UCB has a great hub of stand-up shows, uh, of shows. They're not all stand-up, but, you know, there's Comedy Death Ray, and then there's other shows totally there. Crash Test, I think, right? Crash uh, Test, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tiger Lily is a fun show that's in the that's in the Gower Gulch. We got a show now on Saturday nights here called Magic Band, hosted by uh, DC Pearson and Eliza Skinner of UCB. We oh, that's a, great. We have a stand-up. Yeah, we're tr- I mean, yeah, yeah, but there's not a lot. Jonah going. Ray does the Meltdown show at Meltdown He came and did ours, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Magic Bag, yeah. And other than that, you know, there's not really... I mean, in New York, you could perform two or three times a night if you wanted to. That, that city has foot traffic, people... In LA, it's, it's a very destination oriented culture. You have to go places on purpose. You've got to get in your car, sit in fucking traffic. It's rare that you just stumble by someplace and go, let's go in and see this thing. You really have to plan where you're going to go. And that, that makes it difficult to, to do shows. And also the town shuts down at 1.30. Or earlier than that in some neighborhoods. You yeah. Know I mean, uh, yeah, totally. In New York, you know, it's open until four in the morning. And there's, and there's comedy clubs every five feet and they're under bars and they're in bars and you can't, you can't walk five blocks in the village, especially like yeah. West Village. It's, it's 80 comedy clubs. Or yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 and the alternative venues too, where it's just like, oh, it's a bar and someone put a mic there and everyone, people just totally like, uh, I used to see, um, invite them up in the East Village when it, yeah, uh, it was, I did that, I did that show. Totally. Super fun really show. Really cool stuff like that that you would, you know what I mean? But that just, they don't have an LA really. 
No, not as much anymore. <laughs> so, you, like the Rafifi, eh? Rafifi. It was that Rafifi, yeah. yeah. I used to live a few blocks away, so you, that was like kind of the the um the stand up equivalent to ASCAT over at UCB, where right. it was like the big uh, stand up show every week. Really, really great uh, comedian. New York just New York just has more of a let's see a live show culture to it than than Are people L- here. I mean, we're in Theater Row right now. It's <laughs> Theater Row. The only people watching these shows are apparently derelicts and German guys who call their dogs Frau. <laughs> There's a German guy who walks by here every night. I want to invite him into a show or something because I feel like I know him. And I, he just walks by and he goes Frau, Frau. <laughs> the only other row I can think of is Skid Row. Exactly. Like, like if your name, if you're, we're if you not, have a row in your name, we're it's not, not that. Yeah, it's not like uh, there aren't many fancy rows out. There. And I don't think people realize who aren't. Who, obviously, people who aren't from LA don't realize this. But this side of town, where and I used to have an office near here, this is like. This is the dark part of West Hollywood. Yes. It's oh. not. It's not the West Hollywood yeah, that is. that the gays went in and made super awesome and there clean. There are no gays over nice. here. This it's is not West Hollywood. Like my friends are like, oh, you're in West Hollywood. I'm like, no, no. This no. is technically. This, <laughs> I mean, this is this is where, you know, when when West Hollywood used to be like like a creepy place, and this then this is it, where Hugh Grant picked up Divine Brown. Yeah, because <laughs> there are. It's it's all. It's all tranny prostitutes. No. But it makes coming to the Smart Castle a uh, uh, Goonies-like adventure. It really is. You never know. This is a perfect... Bring an Asian kid who's really good at wacky devices with you, just in case. Just to, if you need to get out of a scrape. You know what I mean? Yeah, in yeah. case you need the pinch of the power. A tussle. You know? Yeah, yeah. If you... Uh, this is a perfect example. I, I, I ate dinner near here before we, I came to Smart Castle tonight, just a few blocks away. And I was walking in my car down a dark street, and there was a... There was a gentleman uh, who smelled of booze uh, and and not ever being washed, uh, and so you know I kind of I kind of breezed by him and he mumbled something and behind hey me, I love the Nerdist yeah exactly I'm sure he was like, I love your podcast uh, uh, <laughs> you're not a nerd so uh, so behind me all of a sudden I hear the sound of piss hitting pavement. But I'm still hearing footsteps. So this guy just decided, like, I'm just going to start peeing. Like, like a walking pee. Even animals stop to pee. That's how I feel like Aaron Sorkin pees like that. Just <laughs> never stop walking. And it's a lot of snappy no, dialogue no, totally. with Aaron yeah, Sorkin. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, talking to his dick a lot. Snappy, snappy dialogue and pee walking. Quippy but, retorts. And, and so that's just it just typifies what this area is like. And then a lot of really, and it's heartbreaking, but a lot of really fucked up transvestite prostitutes like... Like we, they have cuts on them and torn oh, yeah. stockings, and, and they're you know. You and go it's to like, the Taco Bell up the street, man. You will see things you can't unsee. You really, you really will, because it's not. It's a different fetish. It's a very specific fetish than just wanting to be with a transvestite. These are it's beat like, up trannies. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like you hate yourself for wanting to be with them already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that, that's for people who like having someone else cut up their steak for them. Exactly. <laughs> They're gra- granny tranny, fetish. granny trannies. It is, a, it is a real specific <laughs> kind of like whoa, broken heels, hobbling. Come to the smart castle and meet a lady man with a black eye. That's right. Maybe take her him home. Yeah. Uh, hey, I'll bet she's got a dirty cock. You would yeah. say that a lot uh, in this area of town. <laughs> but uh, we're trying to revitalize it, man. We're we're like uh, Olmsted in Central Park. This is such were. a great space. I mean, what you guys have done with this space is so phenomenal. It's cool. I dig it, man. And but like, it, it is funny when we first got here. They were like, "Well, welcome to Theater Row," and I was like, "Why? Well, I, I had no." If you look outside, here's what makes it Theater Row: the street signs have green uh, awnings on them. That's yeah, and there's a couple theaters. That's what makes it a row. You yeah. see color coordinated signs. There's this. There's the Hudson. There's the the one over. There's a bunch. There's the like the Meta and stuff. This is this, this was part of the complex or whatever the Smart yeah. Castle. 
uh, before we annexed. Nice. Yeah, yeah. We, we, yeah, we diverted. <laughs> He's like our, our, uh, our General Lee. Yeah. Right? You gotta just grow your mustache a we little bit longer. From the complex. What's up? Are you a sovereign nation now? Yeah. We're trying. We're working on it. We're getting the paperwork coming through. Um, uh, so you, you, uh, you cut, you started in stand up. How did, how did singled out, uh, come into the picture, sir? Uh, because everything so far kind of adds up and then it's like, there's a curveball thrown in there almost and it has to do with being on a beach and a stage. Well, <laughs> uh, what happened was, uh, well, you're an actor too, I should say, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've hosted more than I've acted. But you've been in uh, like House of a Thousand Corpses and yeah. Halloween Two and yeah. uh, really, really cool stuff like that. Mainly because I'm friends with Rob. I mean, like, I'm not. It's not. It's not like I audition for movies and it's people put me in them. Thing. I get asked by people I know. You didn't beat out like uh, Stella, no. uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Or I did whatever. not beat out. Uh, <laughs> I did not beat out uh, Joe Golev. But oh, I, uh, like I like that. <laughs> but uh, that's like my Zephron. That's what we do with people's Zac names Efron, now. Zephron. Zephron. Yeah. Yeah. Gen- Jennifer Aniston's Jen Aniston. I like yeah. to call her. But uh, <laughs> make uh, that one longer. Yeah. Singled out came about because uh, two demons raped each other on a frat house, and out of the viscous puddle, uh, a dating show was born. I watched so much of that fucking show as a kid. Like, I, it feels bad to, to, to hear that because it's almost like. No, I, you know. I, I was one, I was part of the band. I make, guys I make fun, while. I make fun of the show, but it was, it was a blast. I mean, like, I, you know, I, I, it was my, well, my first job out of college was another show for MTV called Trash and it didn't last very long, but they kept me around and, you know, I VJ'd for a summer and then they put me on single that. It was a fucking dream job. Like. And that, that came out of stand up, do you think? No, no, I, I had only really kind of, I was in a comedy group at UCLA, and we did stand-up a few times a year, but I wasn't really doing it enough to say that I was a stand-up. I thought I was, but, you know, like, performing once every three months is not really, you're not really a stand-up yeah. yet. So, uh, uh, yeah, it was just a weird kind of a thing, and the audition came about through a friend of a friend, and I'd been a contestant on a game show, and someone else knew someone else, and they said, oh, you should come in for this thing, and so it was just a weird happenstance. And, uh, and then, you know, and singled out and it was a, it was a dream job. It really was. And how long were you the host of the show for? Well, the run of the show was, so you know, four, three years, three and a half so years. So you had both years. Jenny and Carmen Electra. Yeah. Yeah. Right? We did like 320 some episodes Jeez. total. And it was huge. I mean, there was really nothing like it. It was pretty massive, but I don't know if I really felt the impact of it. I remember there was something, I mean, I felt there was something about me on the show that just didn't click. Like, I just feel like I wasn't really, I didn't really pop on that show. I mean, the show popped and Jenny popped and I remember being at a bar once and the guy standing next to me got recognized by a girl for being a contestant on Singled Out, but she didn't notice that I was standing right next to him. Like, what? He was on one episode. I'm on all of them. So it was just a weird, you know, and, and I, I probably was bitter about it at the time, but I, at the time, I don't care. Now. As someone who's, who's into seemingly, um, uh, different interests though than that show, show seems to target, was it, was it something you think you kind of put into? Were you fully, you were fully committed, right? I mean, was there ever a nerd part of you that, that, that was like, I can't believe I'm hosting this show or? Well, there was a nerd victory part of me where it was sort of like, I own you Greek people, you <laughs> frat guys, like people that I fucking hated in no, college. No, totally. Now you have to make them walk up and down steps. Yeah, exactly. So there was sort of a, I am your evil puppet master. You know, like there was that aspect to it. Um, but, you know, I didn't, 
I mean, people always ask me, like, oh, did you fuck everyone on the show? And I'm like, no, I don't seem to be that party guy. No, no. And I, and I I mean, I was, I used to be a huge drinker, but I wasn't, I mean, I didn't, I didn't go through and, I mean, I I think maybe one time I hooked up with a girl at a bar. I was like, uh, I used the, hey, do you want to be a contestant on my show kind of thing? Totally lame. (laughs) And then we made out and that was about it. Like, I never, but the rest of the time. And you're like, I cried for And then I felt bad about it. I I hated myself. Um, because, you know, part of being, you know, part of being a nerd when I was growing up is that I didn't want to be a nerd. Like it was, it wasn't something that I was proud of. I don't think anyone embraces it until maybe their twenties, really. No. At least out of high school, because it's tough for for yeah. Because it's it's another word for outcast, really. It was like, outcast, and it wasn't it wasn't cool to be smart, and it wasn't cool to play chess, and it wasn't cool to program computers, and you know, like girls didn't like that stuff when you're growing up, and they don't want to they don't want to talk. Girls don't want to. I remember being at parties. Uh, you know, I moved out to LA my senior year of high school with my mom and my stepdad, and I had a chance to fucking start over. <laughs> Fresh slate, Clean. new new millhouse in Capital Morris City. And shit, you're gonna get the coolest <laughs> sunglasses. No, yeah, 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 totally. And so uh, <laughs> I happened to be neighbors with this kid who was on the football team, and I thought it was awesome. Like, finally, I'm gonna hang out with the the football players and the cheerleaders. And well, I remember chess will be our dirty secret from the last town. And I was able to keep it together for like two parties, <laughs> where I just didn't say much. And finally, like the third party. Uh, I started doing, uh, some <laughs> Bobcat Goldthwait stand-up bits, and it just creeped everyone out, and it literally <laughs> just destroyed, and I, I couldn't hide it, all of a sudden I was like the phantom, like, don't look at me, you know, and so it, it, it just was very apparent, like, okay, I, I do not belong with these people, I can't relate to them, and then, you know, my best friend, I, then I kind of found this guy who, um, was an art nerd, who was just this Filipino kid who became my best friend, who was an amazing artist, who now is like one of the top storyboard artists in the That's movie awesome. industry, is a guy named Robbie Consing. And, uh, and we were friends, we were, he was my best friend, and we were fucking huge nerds and just nerded out. I mean, and that was a similar thing with me. I remember a defining moment. I wasn't really well liked in high school and stuff. And I remember, uh, UCB, the Upper Ed Citizen Brigade yep. show, started airing on Comedy Central, and it was, the single greatest thing I'd ever seen in my life and not a single fucking person in my entire high school had seen it and one dude had and we instantly like, you know what I mean, hit it off and started writing comedy and shit together yep. because it's it's like a sea of people who want to be nor- not normal but don't stand out. Don't let anyone know that you're into anything that might be seen, deemed different. Well, but because or- but I think most of those people, I mean, I don't want to say they're soulless, but... <laughs> I will say it. Here, here's, so, I mean, here's, so here's what you, I think. Here's what here's what you understand. Here's what I here's what I really came to understand is a lot of the the popular kids in grade school. If you know, if they were attractive, things came. I mean, and they probably all had demons inside. I mean, everyone has problems. Yeah, totally. Everyone has dark. Everyone has darkness. But uh, this kid's <laughs> got a shitload. He just shitload of darkness. Yeah. But uh, yeah. uh, but uh, you know, if you're if you're a young attractive kid. Other kids gr- gravitate toward you, and you don't really have to put out a lot of effort. You don't have to try. And so these, a lot of these kids are never really forced inward, whereas outcast kids, yeah. and I was an only child, you, you pretty much you develop a very strong inner monologue. Spend your day inner, alone. Inner dialogue, fine. really. No, 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 totally. Because you have to. And it may, you become very self-aware in a way that, that, uh, that other people, that the other kids aren't. And, and they, because they don't have to be. Like, it's a very, it's a very Darwinian thing that I think that happens. Uh, no, you're right. They're instantly accepted by the group, so there's no need for them. There's, they don't need, really need to look inward very often. There's nothing to change because everything is working, kind yeah. of. Yeah. And so, you know, 
like when you look at a person like that and you say like how can you not see how you're being they really don't they really did not evolve the capacity to do that so it's it's sort of like it's sort of like looking at a puddle and being like why can't you be deeper you know like <laughs> it just like it is what it is and so I was like, shut up, man. You want to go get tequila shooters? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean? So, you know, it's, I realized pretty quickly, like, I just can't, I, like, the, the me is just going to not. And then you to... were thrust into this world basically made up of the popular kids on singled out, kind of. Yeah, and I got to, I got to, and you got you to know, be a little, like a ringmaster, kind of, you know? In a way, I mean? it was a small amount of, a small amount of power. So uh, that was a fun experience overall, though. Oh yeah, yeah, it was it was great. It was it was fun, and you know, I I didn't I realized pretty quickly that no one in the arena of people could hear me because it was so loud. <laughs> so the, in the first season, you just see me trying to shout over them, but the audience wasn't really mic'd as well. So if you watch the show, you just heard me yelling like it was very <laughs> off putting, and I realized this. And so I realized no one can hear me. So then I just started making really low comments, like horrible comments about people on the show and no one could, that no one could hear there. But I knew like, oh, if you're watching at home, you'll, they'll hear this That's because awesome. I have a microphone. So it was just a lot of like, it was just, it was just sort of a nerd rage that made me kind of lash out. The, the bullies, they can't even hear you making fun of them. Yeah, exactly. The live audience. On I'm surprised they never got punched, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, or stabbed like the cheaters guy. Yeah. It's a dangerous business hosting. Surprising that when you try to expose people at the worst moment of their yeah, life, right? who, then they're already degenerate people who have agreed to sign a waiver for a hundred dollars that someone would pull and a knife on you. Knives, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> they should check them. Maybe do all that, but then check them for knives. Hard to believe. And you'll be okay. So, were you? Did you also work for K Rock at mm-hmm. some point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the same time. I what were you doing there? Midnight to five. Oh, nice. The overnight shift. I you did were, that in college. That was always what was fun. the name of your show? The Spice Rack. Yeah. <laughs> He's a Spice Girls enthusiast. Uh-huh. Don't be embarrassed, dude. Oh, no. Oh, you love that shit. We all, all right. love it. I wish all you could right. dig up old episodes of this. Did you record any? Oh, it's a long story. But oh, the okay. tapes are gone. We'll save it. Really? Aww. My brother inherited my car when I at one point, and he, like, I don't know what happened, but he threw out... I had all my tapes <laughs> in there, and he threw them all out. I don't know what happened, but he was like, fuck these tapes, and just... Threw, yeah. That's so those tapes of your shows? Yeah. Because that's something that I really, really want, that I really, really want. Yeah. <laughs> right? See, and, but, but we'll, we'll oh, maybe man. skipping a, a second, I, I feel lucky, and, and you obviously are one of the the early adopters, and, and, and The Nerdist is an amazing show, and everyone knows it, but I feel lucky in the sense that I, I grew up in an age where everything could kind of be recorded. Yeah. Like I try to document every to a to a to a fault to a point where people don't fucking like me anymore. <laughs> I'm like, if you're talking to me and it's semi funny, this there needs to be a microphone on this now. You know what I mean? That's great. Yeah, no, I grew up when you could record stuff, but it wasn't commonplace to be recording everything. Why the Home Alone Talk Boy thing? So oh, you were the Talk I was, Boy. I was big on that. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, was an I, early podcast. I was I was talking to someone about the Doctor Demento show, which was on Sunday nights in Memphis, where yeah, I grew totally. up. I mean, I was born in Louisville, but I grew up in Memphis and. And and talking about how I can remember it, and I now I just sound like a creepy older person, but but how I can remember a time where there was appointment where women didn't wear pants. <laughs> That's yeah. right. But there was appointment radio <laughs> where it was like if you didn't listen to Doctor Demento on Sunday nights, you never heard it yeah. again. You know, until I, he put out a greatest hits compilation. I remember Love Line being the same way, which is kind of weird. But when I was in like middle school, there was nothing racier, and I remember you had to remember stuff. Yeah, that's how I learned my swerve, man. I used to like, I would have, when I was on the radio, something I really 
liked came on, I had a tape in the tape deck all at all times, and I would record stuff. I remember doing that. I stayed I home sick one day in middle school. It was the day they premiered "I'll Be Missing You" from Puff Daddy, yep. the Biggie tribute, and that was obviously the biggest moment <laughs> of my life. Yep. Um, and I remember being like, "They don't know what they're missing in school." I'm gonna be. That was the first moment where I was like, "Wow, I could be the cool kid now, possibly. Mm-hmm. Like this might turn around for me." And yeah, tape was ready to fucking go. I still have it. I don't have a tape player to play it with, so I just stare at it, but. Oh, the memories. I, I sure, I the, sure like to listen to Kasingles. Yeah, absolutely. I just read that they, this is just a random bit of information, but the last car just went off the assembly line that had factory tape players, the Lexus. Still? They, yeah, they were still doing it. And it finally is not available. It was only in you Utah no longer, for Mormons. You can I guess. no longer order a tape deck in a car. It is kind of weird that they would even have the tape deck just in the now, car. Yeah. That just now happened. Right on. That technology is so old now, I think even the Amish are like, eh, we could have tape decks. <laughs> now, okay, now, now they're starting to take our old technology. Yeah, they, they're just like, that's, that they're just, no, they totally. have to stay a certain distance. When do they get MySpace? The oh, well, they're fucking waiting <laughs> even for Even the Amish are like, fuck MySpace. Yeah. They're like, we'll take Friendster. You know what I mean? Um, so, uh, jumping from, so sing, uh, jumping from, like you said, you were on the radio and you did Singled Out and jumping back to comedy, uh, you're, you were one half of a, of, of a kind of a renowned comedy group called Hard and Firm, right? Oh, I don't, I didn't know that, but yes, I am a part of the, I, I'm half of Hard and Firm. I am the hard <laughs> part of Hard and Firm. Hard and Mike Furman. Chris they're Harden. both. I guess it's but the same word though, so they're, syn- they're synonyms? There's, they're, they're, it was it, accidentally <laughs> synonymous. Furman and I, Met at because I, I've heard about, and I remember going back to UCB like six, seven years ago. I remember hearing about Harden Firm. Like you guys have been on the comedy scene for a, for a while. Yeah. Well, we, Mike and I met at UCLA. Uh, we were in this comedy group together, and Mike played guitar, and I liked to sing, and Mike could sing, and so we just started. You know, we started experimenting at dorm shows, and really, we were just covering. It was it was really kind of hacky comedy, like. Oh, we're covering this song as Kermit the Frog. It was like a lot of that stuff. We hadn't really written anything original. I want to do a concept album. It was just that, maybe. <laughs> but if sweet- you want to be my lover. You got to go with my friend. So uh, Furman and I entered. You know that I can use somebody. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Someone like Piggy. Oh, oh, oh. Uh-huh. All right, we're That's amazing. That. Thank you. So Furman and I entered uh, the this huge UCLA musical competition called Spring Sing, and we came up with we just we had to come up with a name to perform in the thing, and we just and we came up with Hard and Firm. Just like, well, my last name is Hard. Name is Furman. We're you lucked out that one of them wasn't like your last name wasn't like Floppyberg. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, the Hard and Floppy would have been fine. Actually, too. you're right. Uh, um, but. Uh, uh, so we entered this musical. Those comedy. are actually there's only two names that can really work in that scenario, firm or floppy. So yeah, those are the that only two that would have worked. Floppy. Yeah, should have so been a third. There could have been a third guy out there. You never knew. No, fuck like, that guy. He's James a Floppy Bird came to every one of your shows, just waiting and waiting and waiting for uh, hard, firm and floppy. I want to be the third. <laughs> So uh, we entered this musical competition, and it was a very big deal at UCLA. Like all the fraternities and sororities do giant numbers and like really hardcore bands. And, you know, it's at the L.A. Tennis Center, which holds thousands of – there were like 5,000 people there. And we did a bit that was – we did sort of a tribute to Weird Al. We did a medley, an unplugged medley of 80 songs. And this was in 95-ish. So, uh, you know, at that point, everyone wasn't doing 80s songs and like, look how hilarious the 80s was. So we kind of felt cool about it. 
and we did it and we ended up winning this musical competition. That's awesome. And which was, I mean, for like, like it was such a, it was such a tri-lamb victory, you know, like, <laughs> we, like you have no idea. And if you go to UCLA now in, in the alumni center in the trophy case for spring sing, it's, it says like our name is on a plaque on the spring sing trophy that says hard, hard and firm. firm. That's- and so, you know, that, that's, that's really kind of where it started. And then we didn't do it for years and years and years. And then in early, the early 2000s, I was doing stand up again. And I said to Mike, let's try some songs. And then hard and firm kind of became its own thing. Do you guys still uh, do, do dates anywhere? Well, so, sometimes, I mean, I'm doing... Um, I saw you guys at Woodstock. At the yeah, we were at Woodstock, and I've got some dates on the road coming up, and I know I'm performing in Boston in April. So no request, so you just announced, yeah, there's a bunch, you're doing a bunch, where can people find your, your I'm sure... Uh, my calendar is at Nerdist.com. Yeah, I'm sure anyone listening to this show listens to Nerdist. So they may or they may not, I don't know. That. But I, I'd love to bring Mike on the road for some shows because his solo stuff is fucking great. And, you know, then that's always fun because then he performs, I perform, we do songs together. And, no, that's you know, awesome. It's really fun. So at, at about a year ago, right? It would be Feb- uh, one year ago in February, uh, Nerdist started. Am I wrong on that? Or The podcast? Yeah, yeah, the yeah podcast. we just had our year anniversary. Congratulations, Thanks. dude. How um how did that come into the world? What, like when was the first time you heard of a podcast? Because I I wish I could remember. I, I wish I, I could remember. I remember exactly what the first time I heard about a podcast was. Maybe might have been five years ago. Oh, I five 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 six years ago. But there was an MTV special like where are they like where are they now? The old VJs. Adam Curry. It was Adam Curry. He, I was on his original he had a podcast. Brendo had, had, had one in 2000. Like he was one of the early podcasters. And he so said, maybe, maybe it was 04. Yeah, it was 04 when that hit. What do you say? You said at that point there were so few people. There that, was like, literally 12 people. So we were all on each other's shows. Like I'm like, I'm going to email Adam Curry. And he's like, sure, you can have a little guest spot on that's my like, show. That's, like, that that's point, like the first cell phones where oh, only yeah. like eight rich people could be on the same line at the same time. Like, this is amazing. I'm like, on my yacht. Yes, I'm on my yacht too. It's incredible. Rich, me too. I was on what will become like two of the biggest podcasts of all time. What well, was the other one? Well, the other one, I don't even know if he still does it, but this guy, Dave Slusher, did a show called Evil Genius Chronicles, and that was the other like original. You're going back. Well, that's where I, I saw I saw this special, and Adam Curry was said, uh, you know, I'm 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 working on this every thing every day. I'm working on this thing called a podcast, and it's a way to you know deliver content to. And I think inside, I was kind of like, good luck with that. Sounds like robot talk. Yeah, he made a ton of money off of it. Did he actually make a ton of money? He, did, he, it? he was the first person to monetize it, and he, then he sold his idea. He like he was doing all kinds of shit with it, like because he teamed up with Dave Weiner, who's like this huge internet guy. Like he's the guy he invented RSS feeds and all this other stuff. Well, I and then and then over the years, I just sort of kept I just sort of kept my eye on it and saw, you know, guys like Jimmy Pardo and Doug Benson and and I I start I started to see people. Turning to it as a as a platform, and for the longest time, I thought, yeah, my show's got to be a thing. It's got to be, uh, you know, it's got to be like I worked in radio, so it's got to be like a radio show. It's got to have a segments, and I, I, I'm not going to produce. That. I don't. Who the fuck's going to do that? I have to. I don't have time to do that. It, was, it would look like work. Yeah. When yeah. It I, when like, I, yeah. Yeah. And then you know, and then and then of course uh, Corolla's podcast when he started doing it. I think Gervais might have been the first I heard. Yeah, I listen to Ricky Gervais and also They Might Be Giants had a great had a great oh, podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's these other two British guys, Adam and Joe, Adam Buxton and Joe Cornwell. I don't know if you uh, No, I didn't see them. They're like DJs in England. They have a really cool uh, BBC podcast, but I remember that was one of the first ones I heard too. But um and and then, you know, we just 
I, I got to a point where I lost, I didn't get a job I thought I was going to get or a show didn't get picked up. Well, I I we completely skipped. We, you, you had to tell – you also all in, the, in this time leading up to the podcast, you had a show, uh, show called Web Soup, right? Yeah, we still have we it. Still have the, yeah. still have a show called Web Soup on, yeah. uh, on G4. I have which two were, questions. Which I unfortunately don't get anymore because of DirecTV. I know. I, I have DirecTV. They relate exactly. to those. So you do have another – Web Soup is – Yes. Another you got your season. Twitter questions? We are right. coming back. To, and then, back. Um, speaking of the podcast, how did you connect with Jonah? I was just going to ask that. Jonah, Jonah I've known for several years um, from the uh, comedy circuit. There was this open mic we used to do together, and uh, and he was just this young kid. Jonah Ray, who's, who's a, sta- Jonah a Ray. very funny stand-up and yep. one of the members of the Nerdist. Yeah, yeah. yeah who who stand-up here a few weeks ago. Yeah. And Jonah was just this young kid from Hawaii who, who was Is he just, from Hawaii? He's from Hawaiian, yeah. Uh, Why would he ever move out of? I meet people like that. Then I'm like, "Where are you from?" They're like he, Bermuda, he and I'm he like, hate, "Fuck you for no, leaving." He because he lived in a, he lived in the he lived in a Hawaii that wasn't the Hawaii that you yeah. he lived in like Britain. the dog the bounty hunter Hawaii. No, he he, he lived <laughs> in even. kind of a slummy Hawaii like where, he got, Hawaii? where he got yeah, beaten yeah. up by Samoan gentlemen on a regular basis and ladies on right a regular on. basis. <laughs> that and, might even be worse. And later. so so he's he's not. I don't think he's a huge Hawaii fan, but. Uh, <laughs> But uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. And so Jonah is a, is a comedy, g- funny guy, and everyone loves him because he's super likable. And Matt Myra, uh, who's the other guy in the podcast, works at a very popular computer store chain. Oh, really? As a, um, uh, he is a brainiac. If you oh, can okay. translate that. Oh, all right. <laughs> and so you know, I I have a lot of this type of fruit themed computer, and. Uh, <laughs> And Matt was a guy who was hanging out at the UCB shows. We're talking about the North Korean computer Cherry, that company. That's right, right Cherry. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I've been for the longest time. I've been trying to find a T-shirt that says Wang Computers on it, like the one they <laughs> oh put on Martin God, Prince. Like Martin Prince, yeah. Because uh, the, the Wang Computers were hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't really take off. Didn't really they take tried. The only they person tried, I though. ever knew that I the only way I knew about Wang Computers was Stephen King used one for oh, years. Did like, he really? And he always talked about it. Because it literally... It was like Esperante. Like, it was, it was, it was, it was it, Those things weighed like 100 pounds. Like they were huge. And he just like had it on his desk and that's what he used for years. Probably had screen like like a like a five inch screen. Yeah, there's totally. like a dot matrix like printer yep. like where you had to where you had to hook the, the paper into yeah. the holes. I, <laughs> Apple, my Apple two E had one of those, and I thought it was the shit. So, it was the print shop. Oh man, the, our fucking our chess our computer lab was the chess club room as well, and we had a bank of Apple two E's, and you know we used to play Zork and like all sorts of text awesome. games on yeah, it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so you met you met Matt at at said on name. Place. At the store, and he was a comedy fan, and he would, you know, he would go to, he would see me at the UCB shows and comedy death ray, and so we we talked about comedy and nerded out about comedy, and it's like, oh, what a cool guy, and I just kept seeing him and seeing him, and and then he started producing the pod, a podcast for Jimmy Dore and Todd Glass called Comedy and Everything Else, and we just became better and better friends over the years, and then last year when I was going to start the podcast, I was like, oh my god, Matt Meyer would be perfect, you know, because he's already produced a podcast and. Of course, I'm such a control freak. I just ended up doing it all myself anyway. <laughs> I brought him on to be the tech guy, and I'm like, I, I got it, I got it. So sit in the corner, bud. Yeah, I'll, I'll get this one. He's no, like, yeah, you yeah, want yeah. me to edit anything? I'm like, I, I, it's fine. I'll just do it. <laughs> so uh, and you know, and he's he's been great, and and so so and, and the shows, and you've had on some amazing guests. Surpri- I mean, surprisingly good guests. Like amazing guests. Like some of the, the the best people in comedy. Like, let's go. Do you want to go through the, the brag a little bit? We had uh, a, well, Tom Lennon did our first episode. You just uh, had Greg Proops, and that was awesome. We just had Proops on. Galifianakis. We did Zach Galifianakis, um, Sarah Silverman, Jim Gaffigan, Drew Carey. 
Uh, I had the Muppets on. Um, Wait a minute. Yeah. Let's stop. What do you mean? I had the Muppets on. How? What? Why? I wanted to be in there. I had the Muppets on when I did a, I did a round <laughs> table did you chat get to with talk the Muppets. To? I, t- I had all of them on. Like everyone? Yes. Yes, all of them. How did I miss this? It's on. It's on there. I'm on gonna. There. I'm gonna. Yeah, let's stop this show. I'm gonna go listen right now. Yeah, so oh, I did. Uh, uh, Craig Ferguson, the Mythbusters. Uh, I had Ozzy on, Joel McHale, John Hamm. Uh-huh. Um, in, in, in a year or two, which is amazing, right? Like, it's pretty insane. I yeah. love what you were talking about on the first guest list podcast. How now every person you meet, you meet, you're like, how do I get this person on? Oh, it's like because, it's because it's such it's, a like. Crazy. I love your story of like seeing Danny Elfman. At a restaurant and like t- trying to see, is this okay? I go Can through I do that. This? I go through that yeah. too with this show. Where do you have that thing too? Where every person you meet that you might want potential wanna, podcast guest, you're like, oh fuck. And then is do you, do you feel weird and about it? It never, never sounds good coming out of your mouth. Do you no. want to be on my podcast ever? As great, and I think podcasting is probably the best medium going right now because. People have people. It has the most actively loyal fans. They have to go out of their way and pay attention. Absolutely, and they do it regularly. And it's just it's not. And on a, the creator end, you don't have to deal with studios exactly. Or and pitching it's not, your it's show not, or you're not, people aren't passively involved in it. They're yeah. actively involved in it. And and still, when I say to someone, "Do you want to be on my podcast?" I feel my wiener shrink a little <sighs> bit. Like it just. It's almost doesn't. like asking, "Do you want to come to my room to look at my Star Wars?" That's exactly figures. what it sounds. You know what like. I mean? Like it's, I wish we could come yeah. up with a better word than podcast. I was uh, at a Super Bowl party on Sunday and. <laughs> You know, my friends, some of my friends like know very, and they're like, oh, Brendan's on this podcast and he's great. And then like girls, especially in the room, are just like, what the fuck is well, that? Well, the, the, what's and even like, worse is when, when you get the inevitable, what's a podcast? Yeah. You have to be like, like well, it's like, I've, this. I've decided on an on demand radio show, which yep. makes it sound all the more on demand radio show. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, even radio is kind of a bad word you're now. Like, so you're like a DJ and like, what? So it's not really a radio show? <laughs> well, I mean, it's not. You know, it is. It, it, no, okay, no, no. It's better because you anyone can get it. Like, yeah, no, it's not regional. Yeah, uh, yeah you can do it still, fifty I times. Feel, that, like, I still feel weird about it. Yeah. I still feel weird about it. But have you found a move yet that seems to work for you? As far as uh, 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 tell us your secrets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, it, it just—it's just. It's just uh, hey, I, you know, I have a podcast. If you ever want to come on, it'd be great. You know, it'd be great. It's a lot of fun. And then I quickly try to name, I quickly name drop. Yeah. I do the same just thing. Just so, just, I mean, <laughs> it, it might, might make me look lame, but it's an attempt to say, no, other people that you've heard of, the, people I'm not listen just some to this. Dude yeah, yeah. Well, we flat out R. got L. checked. Stein. We got, for the first time ever, oh uh, R.L. Stein on Twitter was tweeting the other oh, day. Oh, wow. And someone tweeted him and he was like, what's bagged and boarded? And we were like, oh, it's my podcast. We'd love to have you on. He was like, how many listeners do the you have, Matt? Uh, <laughs> and I was like, K's. <laughs> K's. I've, I've actually booked people from Twitter on the podcast. I've, I've got a lot of... Uh, this entire theater you're sitting in only exists because of Twitter. I was, it's been really amazing. You know what I mean? It's, it's a weird... It's a kind of an exciting time to be in where... where 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 Twitter is like my little brother is like fuck Twitter I don't know on Twitter I'm like it it is the most important social tool uh, work tool like uh, you know what I mean lives have been changed already by Twitter oh, elections yeah, there's, have there's been no won. question I mean I, the fact that you know I I kind of I have this thing because um, uh, you know my my Twitter following is robust yeah and and so what happens is do you get nervous 
No, not really. Like like the day when I, this place started, Kevin started following me, Kevin Smith, and I was like, oh, fuck, I have to vet every tweet. Like I was on a comedy audition for SNL. Oh, right, right. You know what I mean? No. Is your like at reply section just in nuts? Like it sometimes it well I remember Will showed me his at reply screen once and I was like, How the fuck do you do with it? You know, it still freaks me out sometimes though, because a couple weeks ago I asked Twitter, my girlfriend and I were gonna sit down and watch Netflix and I was like, Oh, is there you know, what what's a good horror movie we should stream on Netflix? And within three minutes there were five hundred responses. <laughs> and by the end of it by the by by the next morning there were over a thousand. Because you can't stop the train once it started, right? No, it was crazy. And you know, like I watched a movie last night oh, and we should stop now. So <laughs> yeah, it, it it is really amazing, but just the idea that this is kind of a dick move, but I, but at one time I said, because I really love Steve Martin, of course, and so, and Steve Martin is a Steve Martin to go at Steve Martin to go. Oh yeah, you assemble the army. And so I and so I was like, hey, if you guys want at Steve Martin to go on the podcast, why don't you ask him? And there so was just like because it's Steve Martin, and he actually responded to me because of that, and it ha- within ten minutes. <laughs> I mean, it was it was such a weird nerd power, like it's all coming together. Yes. I mean, he didn't he didn't. I didn't get him on the show, you know, but but the idea that and I, I I'm worried about that. I always ask. Uh, let's let's lightly suggest that they you might have enjoy to be very the show careful because, because it's, it's a weird responsibility. You can't, you know, because you don't want to harass because you can really fuck with people in a, you in can, a big way. You don't way. want to start the relationship by sheer harassment. Yeah, from strangers, no, no, you and know you don't want I mean? to look like that guy who's a, who's abusing it. No, totally that's right. not really. Because there are those people out there, and everybody fucking hates those guys. Yeah, they, yeah, absolutely. And you really want Twitter to be a place. I want Twitter to be a place where you're just keeping a flow of information going. And yes. sometimes that's about you, and other times it's about sharing selflessly things that you think are cool Tweet that other people want to see. Like, yeah, but that shouldn't. It shouldn't all be like I want to promote myself. Like it should. You. It really should be. There is no right way to use fucking Twitter. It should be like here's a cool thing, and and you know, and sometimes that's going to be a show that I'm doing, but most of the time it's going to be, you know, like a weird Doctor Who thing or. And that's what's so great is that uh, is that there's a venue for millions of people to hear potential cool things from someone who might not have had a voice in the past, uh, who might speak to a certain audience. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, it really is. It really and I, you know, like Taco Bell has ninety thousand followers. There's a lot of Taco Bell fans <laughs> out there who didn't. You know what I mean? They want to hear what Taco Bell They want to see what the, what's up with the Chalupa. And it's also helped people who are really funny who don't who didn't have access to Hollywood. You know, people like Kelly Oxford or people like um, shit the shit my, my dad, dad says. says yeah, yeah. You know, you got a fucking deal in a book. I and, mean, you got to yeah. give it up to him. That's like one of the greatest entertainment. It really is. You great. know what I mean? Yeah. So it really does. It really does work. And also in just connecting with with people. And yeah, and especially with the podcast end of things, with everything living on the internet, kind of now as it is. Like I, you know, I'm on a computer fucking fourteen hours a well, day. I, just, I the thing I love most about it is the instant feedback. Like even more so than blog comments or right. anything. Just like right away. Like I can be like, just did this, throw it up there, boom. Or well, like that's what so that and that's, that's the same thing that's awesome about comedy is that you you know it's it's the it's a, a performance medium where you know right away like no nope, this was bad or oh my god this can and. You know, being able to adjust it in the moment. Like, no, yeah. absolutely. Where where do you think the the future holds for for podcasting, sir? Do you, do you think there's such a thing as jumping the shark? Do you think I, I've seen in in recent um, a lot of people are monetizing in the last month. Uh, there seems to be a lot of change ups in the in the kind of the podcast world. Well, what's going to happen? I think is you know, like anything, because uh, for comedians especially, po- you know, podcasts are the new comedy albums. 
And uh, every week, another amazing comedian. Not just like another comedian starts a podcast. Like every great comedian out there has a podcast. There will be, now. you know, there will be a saturation of the market, and it will force people to make better, interesting shows to stay afloat. Most of those people will realize that it's hard to do a show every week, and will stop doing it. And you know, I mean, it, it's. I think the next step is that big media companies will start to realize that it's a good place to put their ad dollars because, I mean, and there's already kind of a kind of a, a pre uh, skeletal frame for that with a few different podcasts. Sure, you know, like we we've put sponsorships on our you got show. Sponsors. Kevin does a lot. Of, I mean, we got Golden. I forgot to mention Golden Apple Comics in Hollywood, folks. GoldenAppleComics.com, the best comic store in the world. Like we have sponsors. Golden you know Apple's I mean? pretty awesome. They are pretty awesome. Um, and, and 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 the thing is, <laughs> you know, right away. I mean, from an advertiser point of view. You know who your audience is, and you know that they're engaged. You can target you... immediately to who, instead of like Kevin was saying, they ran in. What was he saying the other night? Uh, it was during. Oh, excuse me, it was during the Red State Q and A. He was watching. <laughs> they read it. They ran an ad for Dogma on the Lifetime Channel, <laughs> or Jane Silent Bob Strike Back on the okay. Lifetime Channel, and he was like, that was the moment he realized that it. They don't know. You know what I mean? They yeah, they don't. It's an entirely different model now. It's going but with directly... the podcast. The podcast they know, and I, I you know. I want to keep the main Nerdist podcast free all the time, and so I just kind of make a deal with people where I say, listen, you know, if we have to do live sponsorship reads, just know that it'll always be something that we probably, probably could have talked about, would have talked about anyway. No, totally. And this is just to, this is just to keep the lights it on never so we can keep giving, giving this to you free. And it's never awkward or forced or any, like, it's not, it's not like those Twitter ads you see a and lot I, of people no. do. And people understand that there is, there is a considerable at sometimes cost involved. You know, well, I've you know I've had this discussion. I've had this discussion with Will, and I've had this discussion with Felicia Day, and you know, because we all agonize over like ads and do we do sponsorships and do we do. I mean, I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt, but uh, like Brando said, I don't think a lot of people realize the more popular show gets, the more money it costs to even just. The more money, yeah, I, I mean, mean, like, yeah. And, and then exponentially, exponentially. And, and the thing is, the thing that some people hopefully understand is that it does cost money to give away free things. Yes, and you know, it's like. You know, especially with someone like Felicia who busts her ass to yeah. make the guild. Oh, yeah. And it's like that, you know, it's not a company. Like she's, she's her, doing she's it. She's doing everything. Yeah. She should get paid for it. A lot of money because she makes a good show that is better than most of the a stuff lot of television. TV, exactly. You know? And a lot of podcasts are more entertaining than anything you'll get on the radio or TV. And so, or, you yeah. know, so I think if, if, if the listeners understand, like this is not me trying to take advantage of you or, you know, trying to buy a yacht. It's just, I like giving you a thing for free. This yeah. is enjoyable for both of us. And I just need some, I just have to be able to go out on a limb and say, no podcast will ever buy anyone a yacht. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, hopefully, who knows? <laughs> yeah, but it's just, you the know, pod yacht and we could all hang on it together. It's just the, <laughs> it's just the idea that, uh, you know, you want to be able to, you want to be able to give stuff away and you gotta, and someone's gotta pay for that. No, totally. Cause you can't, once it starts, Giving away free stuff is fine if you're not making any money. If you love it, you can do it and it's your passion. But then it gets dicey when you're like, well, but and then I have a job and someone's actually paying me to do something and I'm, I'm, pri- I'm prioritizing this thing. There's the day job that people, uh. over, you know, so you, you also want to be able to prioritize it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what about, what about the way people, what about the audience for podcasts? Like, do you think more people will? Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna spill over into the mainstream. I mean, I still think, you know, as much as we think, uh, Oh, everyone has computers and everyone has a DVR. You know, like there are still considerable chunks of the country where people still have dial-up. Yeah. Whenever, whenever people start doing that, I tell people, I'm like, VHS left Walmart like three years ago. 
Yeah, yeah. you have to remind yourself that constantly. We live, we live, like you know, that. we live in, we live in a very, uh, we live in a very blessed area. No, where, totally. Where technology kind of gets adapted. Like we see it all the time and we assume like, oh, everyone's going to do it, but not, but they don't. Yeah. And so, you know, podcasting, I don't know if it'll ever be as, as, as big as, you know, what, what the radio boom of the fifties through the eighties was, but it'll be big enough that, and it is starting to get big enough where people will be able to sustain make careers, a, out of make a career out podcasting, of it. Podcasting, professional podcasters. I which, mean, really, really the model that we tried to build was, you know, I want to make a show that's regular and if people like it, they'll come out and see me at live shows. And that's, you know, that's ultimately what I and want. And that's the other, it reinforces everything else everyone does because if you like someone on a podcast, chances are you'll like their other stuff. Sure. You know what I mean? It gets to expose people to it. I, I think it's a really cool thing and it's still really kind of in the Wild West period of it. And it's fun. But then, you know, when you see like, well, the Rolling, St- Rolling Stone and the New York Times did an article on Mark Marin and his podcast, and that podcast has changed his life. No, absolutely. Uh, you know, it really is like the mainstream media is really I mean, starting you to hear, take again, notice. I hate to keep saying, but you hear Kevin announce that he's got one more film and then he wants to go to podcasting full yeah. time. Like, it's, it's, I think they're big indictments about the entire podcast industry as a whole that that people, uh, I don't know if that was the right word, that people um, are, are embracing it as like it's not a fad and it's not. It, it it is new media, but it's something that's been around long enough, and that will will kind of stand the test of time. I think. You yeah. Know what I mean. Yeah, and it's also the delivery system is simple, but I still think it's it. The delivery system is something that you know non tech people are afraid of because they don't oh, really understand. It's hard. To, it, like, like, no, it's, it's the same as getting music on iTunes, but it you scares just people it. though. Just yeah. just by using a different word than like you, it's the same exact thing as buying a song on iTunes. But I still can't talk people. Some people into yeah. What am I getting it. into in a podcast? And what that I sounds complicated. Like, oh, that's, they send me more CDs in the mail. Like, you know too what I mean? It's much, not the too much trouble. Uh, yeah. Uh, even though it's literally one of the easiest things in the world. You can listen to it on your fucking iPhone now. It's we live in the future. Like, I'm just waiting to date Judy Jetson, and then I'm, <laughs> then I'm gonna throw the towel in. I have one more random email question that I feel like if I don't ask, this person's gonna be mad. Okay. Why do you know um, them personally? Well, it's Zach from the Nice Man podcast. All right. I don't know. That is. I don't know. But, um, he wants to know what you honestly think of Olivia Munn. I like Olivia. I mean, uh, you know, we we were. Hey Zach at Nice Man Podcast, get a new fucking question next time. <laughs> try to stir up shit on my show. Here, here, I'm gonna write in a question to his show next time. You know, well, here, this was a very this was a very pivotal point in my career. Was I knew I had and 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 I felt very lucky by this. I felt very very grateful. Was that I had been in the business long enough that people stopped asking me if I fucked Jenny McCarthy and they started asking me if I fucked Olivia Munn. <laughs> so there was a very subtle transition. Yeah, totally. You're like, I've made it. Like, it's a, like, I got a whole new girl people want to know. I mean, Sometimes like, you walk down the street and you look at a kid in a stroller, you're like, one day people are going to ask if I fucked you. Yeah, that's right. And that's how this industry works. And then there'll be a trial and it'll be Not weird. Totally, but, but, uh, It'll be a future trial though. Yeah. There'll be lots of lasers involved. I and loved, then, I loved Olivia. You know, like we, we, she was really sweet and cool to me. And, you know, we would, we would go out to dinner and hang out and talk about stuff. And, you know, she's a very, I respect her, but she's a very driven girl. Like all the stuff that she has going on in her life is because anyone who's super successful, you know, like, you know, like, like Kevin or, or Seacrest or, or, or anyone, you can't get to that level of success without a plan and working your no, fucking ass off. No. And Olivia, you know, she would do Attack of the Show. She would go on auditions and do movies, go home, write her book, run her blog. 
I mean, she she worked hard to she be worked, where she is today. It wasn't yeah. an accident. No, 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 totally. She was, she's not just some girl in a bikini that was like, "Oops, I tripped over a new show." Like she <laughs> fucking works hard. So yeah, I mean, I, I like Olivia and I respect her. You know, I think I she has an amazing work ethic and and I, and I I think she can she is a good example to people of what you can accomplish. No, absolutely. So take that guy who tried guy, to fucking be a dick. the nice guy podcast. <laughs> yeah, ironically named. Yeah, I'm right? sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so a geek final geek question from um, you this time. This is also from Twitter. All right. Um, Did you vet it? I vetted it. Sorry. Is it like who else do you hate that you might potentially work with again? <laughs> well, one day? Is, since we are backed and boarded, and we this do is talk from, about um, so the question from Twitter is uh, at Nerdist. Why are you a faggot? Yeah. <laughs> oh. From well, Olivia Munn. Hey, oh, no, shit! Yeah. I thought we were friends. <laughs> but um, since we are backed and boarded, and we talk about comics, um, this this user wanted to know what your thoughts are on the DC animated movies. Like the, the slew of them. I you mean like Fantastic Four or like the well, like the Batman? Oh, like Batman, like, Superman, like the, Doomsday thing. Yeah, just all those DC animated movies. Both companies are, are making a lot of direct to DVD like animated, animated features. I play. I, I was the voice of the Green Arrow in the yes. in the Batman. That's true. That's that awesome. So I got to be Oliver Queen. It's awesome. Uh, is that the Green Arrow voice? The Green Arrow voice was a little bit deeper than mine. He was very solemn. I am now the Green Arrow. I'm getting chills. Yeah, Brendo, right. be speedy. Yeah, they they, like. they brought they brought the Green Arrow on for like a, a four episode arc or something, kind of near the end of that of the end of that series. It was, it was super fun. I mean, like I you know and you've done a bunch of voice work. You just you just recently. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, you just Angry recently Naked did uh, Angry Naked Pat for from Brian. Lynch. I did Angry Naked Pat for what? Brian Lynch. You play a bear with one leg. And it's yes, awesome. I play Rollo yeah. the Spirit Bear. Everyone who you were hilarious, by the way, I love that. I oh, thanks, man. Oh, that was so much fun. Yeah, we recorded all that in my office at G Four. Like, <laughs> it's awesome. I was friends with Matt, who does the voice of Matt Pat. Kuchinski, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Matt uh, was like, "Oh, my friend Brian Lynch." I mean, of course, I knew what Angry Naked Pat was. And so when he sa- asked me if I wanted to do it, I was like, "Fuck yeah, of course." And he just came to my office, and I just sat at my desk, and it was like, "I am your spirit bear," and that was it. That was <laughs> like, it. ow, uh, walking. Uh, uh, <laughs> for all you people that don't know what we're talking about, you can look it up on yeah. funnierdie.com. Brian Lynch of uh, of uh, Angel and uh, Hop. What and Hop fame and uh, so well done. Like, and the anim- it's, it's, an- it's so well. Animated. It's really good. And Andy Milanakis does like an awesome theme song at the yeah, end. So anyone who hasn't end. seen it, so you like you're all over the map. So you got voice work going on. You got you still doing comedy. You got Nerdist. Everyone, you're up to two episodes a week now with Nerdist. Two episodes right? a week, yes, sir. Um, yep. you're you're doing. And I'm gonna start producing some other podcasts too. I got I want to jump on the podcast network bandwagon. Right, right on, man. Yeah, it's the way to do it. So yeah. we, we could we could team up and take down Earwolf. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, Scott Ackerman. I don't know who those guys are, but they came out of nowhere. Scott. Well, Scott it, Ackerman. It was, it's CDR, right? It's yeah, Comedy it's, Death, it's right? CDR, no, it's yeah, Scott. Scott, yeah. Scott I, you know, Scott's great. That was he, a smart call on their part. He, yeah. like, immediately jumped on the, you know, because he was doing Comedy Death Ray Radio for, for a while, and then... He immediately saw it. Like he was the first guy that I knew that saw the network thing. But it's good though because it, it's not about even about competition. It just brings more podcast listeners. Yeah, you, like you know? like for instance, I um, you know, I've been talking to Nathan Fillion since December about coming on the Nurse Podcast, and then today he tweet he tweeted at Kevin Pollack and saying, "I sure would like to come on your show." Uh, and so I tweeted at him and said. Uh, he said, I would like to come on your show. I'll bring snacks. And so I tweeted him, why don't you come on my show? I will provide snacks. <laughs> and then, so I, then I felt bad. So I emailed Kevin Pollack and I said, look, it looks like I was trying to snatch Nathan from you. Yes. Uh, 
but I he already agreed to come on, and I was just fucking around, and and I said I think everyone should do everyone's podcast, and it doesn't matter who does it first. Yes. And Kevin said, I appreciate what you're saying. Uh, I didn't have a, I didn't think that at all, and I agree with you. And and there's a real generous teamwork thing. Podcast solidarity. That's what I'm trying. It that's is. What I've been talking about. Everyone sir. should do. We know we all do each other's podcasts. It's there. Every podcast has a different flavor because Marin and I released the Kevin Smith episodes the same day, same week, yeah. same day, and they were totally. And it dry. was like, listen to Marin's, and you'll get a different flavor. Listen to mine, you'll get, you know, you'll Vader get pussy. Vader pussy. Yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> which still lives to this day. Like I hear people say Vader, Vader, pussy. Vader pussy. So it's you know, like it's it's a really exciting. It's time. so small a world that we should. There, no one should be fighting. Like everyone, you're right. There's it, no point. There's no point, and it is an exciting time of just of just like everyone's popping up. You, we're you know all what in I mean? it. We're all in it together. We're all in the same. We're all in the same boat. We're yes. all in the same. You know, we're all in the same kind of weenie podcast boat, and Absolutely. it's awesome. And it's awesome. We're all in the same tugboat, oh pussy. With the tugboat, oh pussy. That extends from nerd Captain to geeks to pussy beard. Yeah, yeah. He's got a podcast too. That's what I'm saying. Anyone can have one these days. And yeah, welcome to Captain Pussybeard's <laughs> Land Ho. <laughs> Well, oh, I'm his co-host, Stumpy Pegleg Pete, and he just scratches his beard a lot because it's it's pussy beard. We didn't say where the hair came from, so it's no, it's indiscriminate pussy beard. It's oh. he buys it from an, uh, an Asian lady who waxes, uh, so there are bits <laughs> of wax in his pussy. And beard. And some of it is alpaca. It's sort of like yeah, it's a it's, weave. It's sort of like how it's sort of like how vampires buy blood from blood banks. Like he just he buy it from waxing places. No, absolutely. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's alpaca. <laughs> it's a it's a pubic alpaca hybrid. Uh, and you could you could hear about it all on his podcast. He's starting up a network too. I mean, you know what I mean. Just check it out, uh, dude. Thank you so much for thank being here tonight. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, man. And, and I, thank you for being very kind because when I asked you if I could have Will come and do our podcast, you said. You know, we have the 8 o'clock spot, but we will give that to you, and we'll take the 10 o'clock spot, and it's very dot. generous. If you want to pull double duty. No, yeah, I mean, no, I'm, but I'm totally <laughs> happy to. I'm totally and, and we appreciate to. it, man. And, and yeah. uh, again, uh, we want to thank you so much for coming thank on. You guys. We hope thank to see you, you back in the Smodcast soon. I can't wait. Anytime you want. Everyone, uh, Chris Hardwick, give it up. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, dude. And uh, me and Brent will wrap up. Speaking of vampires, it's a good segue, because next week on this very show, uh, True Blood attacks again, folks. Uh, Get ready. It's a big one. Mike McMillan, Reverend Newland returns with Jessica the Vampire. Wow. It's, it's happening. What are you going to do, Matt? I hope it's hope she doesn't listen. Probably come a few times in my pants. I'm in, I'm in love. <laughs> like, it'd be like, I, like, this is my all time crush. So, you know how your vampire hymen heals every time you have <laughs> yeah, sex? Exactly. <laughs> oh my God. I can't believe I just said that out loud. <laughs> That's what I have to, it's totally, it's professionalism. I want to call that episode professionalism, yo. Uh, Cause I want to be like, so you are on a show called True Blood. I like, like, I can't fucking, no, no we, she'll we glamour her me. before and you were very cool. She's going to glamour me, dude. Yes. I'm convinced, but that's next I will week. Stop it! And uh, and Mark Andrego, they're going to be talking about the True Blood comment. We got a lot of really cool stuff coming up, folks. As always, check us out at uh, on the Smodcast Network. Yeah. At uh, Bagborder.com. I'm on Twitter at Camelzoed and Smodcastle. I'm at Brendo Man, and I would also like you to also got popsicles. Popsicles on Friday nights on Friday here nights at the Smodcast. And I also started a new little project. Um, You've got so much shit going I, on. Well, I'll just plug this one. You're like the Jamaican character um, from In Living Color. Per Twitter's suggestion, just because I brought it up, um, I found all my old podcast I, oh episodes yeah, that's right. from 2004. So if you want to listen to him talk to himself for an hour from Harbin, literally China. Literally, the first episode is me in my apartment in China talking to myself And for tell him what hour. else you did. You looped the same 40-second soundbite for an hour. I didn't know what I was doing. It was the Wild West in those days, man. 
This is a recording. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Watson, come in here. I need you. <laughs> You're exactly listening to a wax is. cylinder. I so mean podcast. You can check that out at brendoman.podbean.com. It'll go up on iTunes soon-ish. They haven't hit me up yet. So. All right. We'll, we'll work on it. And as yeah. always, uh, lots of cool stuff happening at the Smodcastle, folks. Uh, check us all out at smodcastle.com. Check Golden out the Apple Nerdist. Comics. Golden Apple Purple Comics. Tree. Purple Tree Clothing. Golden Apple Comics. Really cool event coming up on the 23rd. Uh, the Ziggy Reggie Hudlin party. World. Ziggy Hud, Ziggy Marley. Uh, who else was up in there? Eric LaSalle. We're going to do another remote from there. Hopefully grab another Stan Lee caliber type of guest because that was awesome last time. That was incredible. Uh, and other than that, uh, Brenda, what do you want to go do? I'm going to go... Um, you don't want to go out with me? Yes. I feel like we should go do something. Like what? I don't know. Paint the town red. All right. All right. Let's go do that. You got the paint? Yeah. Let's go. In my I'm, trunk. I'm Matt Cohen. I'm Brendan Creasy. It's been bagged aboard. It's been real. What? Bagged and boarded. Live. Find more funny shit like this at Smodcast.com. There's so many to choose from. There are so many to choose from on the Smodcast Podcast Network. On Sundays, it's me and Scott doing the classic Smodcast, the show that started it all. Mondays, it's me and Ralph Garman doing Hollywood Babylon. There's so many to choose from. Tuesdays, you get a double shot of goodness, man. Malcolm Ingram's blowhard, as well as Red State of the Union Q&As, our podcast show about our forthcoming movie. There's so many to choose from. On Thursdays, drop the gloves with the puck nuts. The same guys that bring you Tell Em Steve Dave on Fridays. And don't forget on Saturdays, Jay and Silent Bob get old with me and Jason Muse. There's so many to choose from. You could try some shows that aren't so regular. just happen every once in a while like Highlands, a peephole history. Where me and people that grew up in the town I grew up look back at the town we grew up in. Smarriage at Smodcastle, where real live people get real live married by real Rev Kev, that'd be me. There's so many to choose from. Smodimations, that's where me and Scott are drawn as cartoons. They take little sections of Smodcast we've done and animate them, man, and make them even funnier somehow. And if you've ever been to Smodcastle, then you've met Matt Cohen, and Matt Cohen has his own show, Bagged and Boarded, which is also now at Smodcast.com. There's so many to choose from. I know you keep telling me, man, but did you know that most of the podcasts at Smodcast.com are recorded live in front of a studio audience at Smodcastle, our theater out in Los Angeles on Santa Monica Boulevard between Wilcox and Cole? There's so many to choose from. Scott, even at Smodcastle, there are so many to choose from. Every week, you could see Malcolm Ingram do his show, Blowhard Live. You could see me and Jason Muse doing Jay and Silent Bob Get Old. You could see Matt Cohen doing Bagged and Boarded. You can come see Tom Green do a show down there. You could see me and Mosier doing the occasional Smodcast 3D. There's so many to choose from. That's right. For one low price, a hundred bucks, you could see every show. That happens in Smodcastle for a month. Every show you go, you get that basically comes down to be like four bucks a show. I mean, come on, you can't get a better deal than that. Go to smodcastle.com slash smodpass for the smodpass, or just stay right here on smodcast.com and listen to any of the shows that we throw up there free for nothing because we love you. And guess what? There's so many to choose from. That's right, Scott. There are so many to choose from. Smodcast.com. There's so many to choose from.